Hello, and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam, and joining me today are... Dom. Dan. And Ian. I forgot what we're talking about now. <laughs> airshows. Yeah, airshows. Just to point airshows. out as well, while we start, that this is episode 69 as well. <laughs> nice. Think of Where's my nice. horn app? Wait, 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 wait. Talk about yourselves a second. Welcome, okay, uh, welcome to episode 69 of the UK Asia Review Podcast. <laughs> nice, nice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's not going anywhere. That's staying in. Um... How, how old are what we? She said. You're <laughs> It's uh, we've had a few um, special guest episodes lately, actually, as well as a blooper reel. So we're back for another normal standard episode. Uh, we're going to start off with a little air show roundup, air show announcements roundup. We're actually recording this today on the eighth of February, which, uh, for those in the know, is the first quote takeoff Thursday, end quote, uh, i.e. the first rear update uh, of the year, technically the second. We'll start off with um, some of the other shows first, though, um, including uh, quite a big one from Shuttleworth. Dan, you volunteered to run through some of these updates, so take us away. Uh, So, yeah, Um, as he furiously types on his keyboard, trying to get the information up. Um, Yeah, so Shuttleworth has announced, um, I can't remember the date because I've lost it, but basically they're having their Dakota Day, which is kind of similar to what they did i mean you guys were there um when the dakotas turned up last time what was that tagged on to can you remember what show it was oh god i was editing the photos the other day as well it was the flying festival uh, pass can't remember but anyway um so it's Maybank holiday um they're sort of hosting the d-day squadron um as part of their european part of their tour i guess um once they're all over here 25th and, or, uh, and 26th of May. Thank you. Is that when Maybank got... Oh, right, yeah, of course it is. Um, so, obviously, it's not just the American aircraft. It's all the, the D-Day squadron aircraft. So, there's a couple from the UK and things like that. Um, obviously, they've not said how many there's going to be yet because I don't think D-Day squadron really know how many aircraft they're going to get. But, um, yeah, it'd be pretty cool having all those C-47s and... DC-3's back at Shuttleworth again. I presume there'll be a flying element to it, rather than them just... I don't, I don't think they're promising one. Oh, no, I think it, ju- it just I, says I think, flying, doesn't it? I think it's basically they're, they're hosting them for a weekend, but there's not, they're not doing it as an air show, I don't think. It's not actually down as one of their air shows on the website, technically. No, I think it's okay. the weekend before one of their air shows. Yeah. Um, but there is a list on the Shuttleworth website. Sorry to jump in. Um, there is... Nine, uh, we've got oh, is there? Placid Lassie, Which is a good amount of good amount of DC threes. Yeah, definitely. Ooh. So Placid Lassie, that's all, brother. Screaming Eagle, ready for duty. Spirit, Spirit of Benovia, Hap Penstance, Chalet from France, Night Fright, which hopefully be airworthy by them, and mm-hmm. Western Airlines. So nice. actually, that's um, that's other than Placid Lassie, and that's all, brother. Um, that's all the rest didn't go to the last one. I thought Spirit of Bedovia did. Uh, Isn't that one the 
Did it? Western Airlines, is that the one with the... Oh, Spirit of Bonovia is the civil air transport one, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Western yeah, Airlines one... The Western Airlines one wasn't over at all no. um, before. That's a, good, That's a brand new one. That's a good looking one as well, actually. As is ready... As is ready for duty. Ready for duty. Ready for duty. I mean, it's it it is it is a Dakota, but it's a navy, particular navy version, and that's actually very exciting. Just minorly rare on its own. Mm. Yeah, very much so. But they're all. I mean, they're all. It's a it's a brilliant list. <laughs> it's a very cool list. Uh, and I think I think the thing is, it's they're going to be flying in on a Saturday and departing on a Sunday. So. Yeah, you, you would kind of want to be at both, I guess, if you if you really wanted to make sure you got them. Um, I don't know whether they're going to be doing any flying over the weekend. My gut says they may do. I don't think there's anything specifically down, but I, I'm sure that they've got part of the airfield that's like sectioned off or something. Last time they did. Last time yeah. they had them up on the paddock or whatever it's called. So yeah, whether that will and open to the public. Yeah. So whether that will yeah. sort of restrict, you know, any movement or anything like that, I, I don't know. But either way, it's pretty cool that you know, very cool. They've actually, um, they've actually doing it because they've, they've done it. What they have done this time is done away with. They had like an open day at Presswick last time because mm. a lot of them went. Well, obviously, the American ones went in via Presswick, stayed there for a day or a couple of days, and then continued down. But they've they've done away with that this time. So. Um, I'm also sure. I'm hope. Go on. Sorry. Well, I was just having a look at the at the ticketing. Yeah, separate ticket required for each day. Yeah. But you've got uh, it's twenty pounds, I think, for a day, or thirty six pounds for both days, which is about the same price as one day air show thing. So they're definitely not putting on any you know any actual flying itself based on those prices. But. <laughs> I don't know for a couple of days if you if you could stay nearby if you weren't too close. Mind you, I mean we did. I think Sam, I you were. I think you were there once, Sam, when we went to the moth meet at Shuttleworth, mm. um, and they ended up just Tiger Nine just randomly did a display. Mm. So I, I, I think there'll be something. Um, I won't be surprised. I would if... be surprised if there won't be anything. Yeah, but whether that's just one of two of them go up and fly around like somewhere and come back over the yeah. course of the weekend. I think that's what it'll amount to. I don't think there's going to be any displays or anything like that. No. No. Maybe just the pleasure flights but... up and about. I don't yeah, know if they allowed to do them um, over here, would they? If it's the American ones? Don't know. Don't know what the rule is. Uh, it be a CAA rule. Yeah, we're, we're doing a hell of a lot of speculating here. <laughs> yeah, we are. We really are. <laughs> um, but there's, as well as obviously... Moving away from Shuttleworth Bay briefly, we mentioned Ready for Duty um, as part of the part of the Cywell updates, which have sort of slowed down. But I think what's good is that the organisers on social media kind of said we're going to stop doing the updates for now, and they're doing quite this cool little timeline of history about mm. Cywell, which is pretty cool actually. A lot of stuff that I didn't know about the airfield. Um, but one of the last ones, last updates, oh, it was the last update by the looks of it, was Ready for Duty, which it, it isn't flying. But it is going to yeah, be on static. static, haven't they? But presumably, yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll probably get it coming and going if you're there on yeah. either day. So, um, so that leaves me. I can't remember what the D-Day Squadron timeline is. Whether that one's hanging around a bit because I can't remember when they're all sort of heading back to the US. 
Um, then they call me back for Riyadh as well. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, they'll all be going after the 6th of June, presumably. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That'd be nice nice to see on static. Well, there, was, there was something else announced for Cybel as well since our last little... Um, our last, well, since, since we actually even did the episodes uh, with Richard Grace, which is something that's making its UK debut... Was that announced after? Oh, yes. Was it? Oh, yes. Someone, someone else can do that one. I've already, do, I've done my spiel. Somebody else can do it. Oh, don't all jump in at <laughs> once, guys. I've got cosplay. Jesus. It was the um, replica, but or reproduction Fokker D twenty one. There's been. Is it twenty one or twenty six? Twenty one. There's 21. been loads of updates. All right, since cut, cut out me not being sure. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sam was wrong. What would what, you say? There's loads of. There's been loads since the D21 was announced. There's been. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, in terms of like, oh, big highlights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, 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 the Fokker D21 really is like, oh, where it's making its UK debut theoretically at Cywell, and I mean that's that's one of the coolest. I think one of the coolest warbirds in Europe actually at the moment. It's a weird looking thing. It's bizarre. oh yeah, um, yeah. It's awesome. That's really, really cool. As soon as that was announced, I was like, Woof. I made sure that we teased Gordon that he wasn't going to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a badger in the post to you. Then, up, up, up yours, Gordon. <laughs> Going to wake up to with a horse's head in my bed. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's so much good stuff. I mean, like, obviously, Night Fright's been at it. We were talking about Ready for Duty, but Night Fright's in there as well. Which, all right, granted, it's not flown yet, but I, surely it's not. Hopefully, it's not far off. Who knows? Um, got more fighter collection stuff with the Wildcat. Yeah, uh, and, and of course, of course, the French Corsair in the night night fighter markings. So that's the only, there's only one Corsair in Europe that isn't going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to Poland. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. I'd be interested to see what else they announce soon, but <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, but yeah, very, very cool. As I say, that D twenty one is. I mean, I don't. I don't even know if it's. Has it even been seen in the Netherlands displaying? I can't recall seeing pictures of it displaying anywhere. No, I I don't even remember. I don't even know when it last. Well, it some, flew last year, but I d- something in the back of my head is saying it's been to something. Um, but it might have just been something at its own base. I'm not sure. It's it's. I know it's been publicly debuted, but I don't know whether it's been to a show show. Mm. Um, it's certainly going to be its UK debut, so that's that's incredibly exciting. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, more to come for Cywell still. So yeah, absolutely. Just, to look forward to. We know Going... something you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's... something and you don't. That makes me a better, more exciting person. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dom, you were talking about Cosford just before we came on. So um, Cosford's finally got its first acts publicly announced. Do you want to... Yeah, so they have now announced the Gazelle Squadron will be there with. I'm just trying to see how many they've got. Four. Four. Oh, that's quite that's good. pretty cool. So, yeah. Is that going to be four in the display or is it going to be um, 
like two in the display, two on the static, which they've done. They fly, fly before. in an exciting four ship formation. Nice. Which I don't think I've ever seen. I've seen Shutterworth as a two, but I've never seen four. I've not seen four. I've no. seen they were at oh bollocks. Uh, I think it was Air Festival of Flight, and that. I'll double I'll double check that one. Ian, you might need to edit that out. Um, but they do like a they did like a formation with Team Raven or something like that. I want to Google this because I feel like I'm talking an, a heap of <clears> that shit rings a bell. Um, yeah, I, I think that they've displayed with a pair quite a lot. I, I can't remember the last one they displayed as a four ship. I I haven't seen it. Seen them. Ah, I wasn't wrong. Ian, you can keep it in. Now where it was, I have no idea. But. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was. It was the show at Air. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. Um, Never doubted you. Yeah, but I know it's worrying, isn't it? Um, why they fly together? I have no idea. I don't know what the link is, but um, there is a link because I know because Aaron and Daz um, did something with them, and I don't know if it's a charity thing. I think it's a charity thing. Nice. Cool. So I've added absolutely nothing to the discussion there. Um, yeah, cheers. We... I've probably missed out some... Oh, yeah. Oh, well, okay. So we, we, we probably have missed out some air shows there. Um, and apologies if, if we have missed your show's announcement. Um, but, uh, as I mentioned, today was the first quote to take off Thursday, unquote. Uh, first rear update of... Well, it is the, of this year, because actually the first re-update for the 2024 show was actually in December, wasn't it? Which was the Canadian yep. Hornet display. But we've had today's announcement, one well, of the first of the regular Thursday announcements, and really good one, to be honest. Yeah. Really good start, I think. It's funny how the uh, the Spanish Harrier has just become like a, a, yeah. a staple part of React now. Yeah, it's just well, like oh. so the 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 three three aircraft were announced um Spanish Harrier uh coming back for a single single routine in the flying display Finnish Hornet on sadly not the flying display but one on one on static um which is still fairly cool I guess and actually I think the the aircraft enjoyers uh highlight of the update was a British Antarctic Survey Twin Otter which is actually really cool, um, just because it's a rarity. They don't actually often in the country at all. Uh, lovely bright red twin otter. Hopefully with skis on. I don't know if they tend to bring the skis up when they come up back up to the UK. If it came with the skis on, then the crew would absolutely truly be heroes, because it would just be seriously cool. Uh, and yeah, and I think that's a that's a really really nice little touch, little little gem for the enthusiasts. I'm sure there's a, a message that the British Antarctic Survey are, are put, wanting to put across for it. Uh, I don't know what that is, but but yeah. So save the penguins, save the penguins. <laughs> or is that, that Antarctic? No, no, no. You got you got the right you got yep. the right end of the earth. Thank you. <laughs> save the glacier mint. Uh, I'd just like to point out we need to have a word with Andy because there's a slight typo uh, I've noticed on the Finnish Air Force. It is in fact the end Air Force finish, not the actual finish. Of Mr. There was a typo in the in the um, yeah. twin otter one as well. If only we knew somebody who was uh, volunteering, you know, it would be really <laughs> useful. <so. laughs> the twin otter would that be? I'm trying to think if it's. I know it goes to Doxford a lot, but it has actually been at an air show. Would it be UK 
debut. I th- I thought it was on Static last. I'm sure there was one on Static recently. Mm. I could be wrong. Where? At, at Ducks. I thought there was one at Duxford on Static. Or was it a short one? On Static Static or... Def- because when, cause I think when we went... Oh no, was it an air show? I we no, it was. I think it was when we visited, wasn't it? Yeah, no. So when we when we saw when so Sam put a picture of saying that oh he's actually seen it and therefore it's completely worthless in the update and it's boring. Um, <laughs> but um, that was just like a regular norm, like a bog standard day. But I'm sure since then there's been. I'm I could be wrong. I'll try and find I th- I it. Think, yeah, if I, I can. think I'm talking bollocks. I think it might have been at a show. I'm sure I've seen a picture because I read an article uh, about it in uh, Pilot Magazine a couple of years back and I'm sure there was a picture. Um, I'm sure it must be taken at a show and they've got like, lo- loads of equipment and stuff on the ground as if they were, you know, how the Coast Guard do to do, you know, show people what they've got on board, that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm sure I saw that somewhere. But then that is going back a couple of years. I wonder if it was at Old Warden. That rings a bell now. I'm, I'm trying to get some filler in while you're all frantically. Well, I think yeah, can... you know at least this now the twin otter we've had our first confirmation of a turn off at Char- Charlie North. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm yeah, I'm, uh, British Antarctic Survey twin otter Woodford Air Show 1996. Wow, but I don't know where Woodford is. Uh, is it Ma- Manchester? Nigel, Nigel have some pictures of it. Yeah, Woodf- Woodford's in Manchester, or just outside yeah. of Manchester, I should say. Well, no, and the, the British uh, Antarctic Survey Twin Otter at Riet, 1998. Oh, so it has. So, so, so they're not. Yeah, they've been before. You can can you tell listener that we we do extensive research before every single yeah, episode to make sure that our content is both relevant and engaging. No, but I'll just edit it, don't worry. And uh, Twin Otter Flying Legends Air Show Day 2, 9th of July 2017. It was a Twin Otter, although that looks like it was just parked off at the distance. Christ, we've done well here. I'm also looking at um, some wonderful air-to-air photos of the, the Twin Otter and the Dash 8 together over Antarctica. Dash 8? That, uh, Dash 7. Ooh! That look absolutely, like, unreal. Was it with the like, sky, Stunning photos. They weren't taken by yourself, were they? No, the opportunity wasn't made available to myself. <laughs> Cessna caravans don't go that far south, anyway. <laughs> um, if it gets a bit chilly, just wrap a tapestry around yourself, you'll be okay. <laughs> Only if it's on fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Definitely be warm, then. <laughs> um, but, to go back to what you initially said, yeah, it, it's funny how we went for... Decades and decades without a Spanish Harriet at a Riyadh, and then all of a sudden they're going to basically all of them. Every single one. Because they seem to love it. I'm fine with that, by the way. I'm not complaining before anyone no, starts going, what would you moan about Harriet? I'm not. I'm just saying it's great that it's become a regular all of a sudden. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, bearing in mind they went to two... Oh, massive star. Oh, it's yeah. a Harrier. Yeah. It's a Harrier in the flying display. It's so cool. Well, they probably realise how much money they made off all the tap that they keep bringing as well. Oh, no doubt. But it's funny because it went to two Farnboroughs and no one gave a fuck. No. Well, it's because it's Farnborough. No because it was Farnborough. Farnborough. I even said that in, um, I think it was my 2019 Rare review. Like, pe- there's a Spanish Harriet, two Farnboroughs in a row, and 
basically no one went to see them because no one could be bothered to go to fight. It was a critique of Riyadh about how it was becoming too corporate. But it's it's incredible how like no one cared about it. And then suddenly what they come to Riyadh and it's like, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe this is the best thing we've ever done. Maybe this yeah, is the purpose of the Spanish Navy now. The, the only reason I'm excited is because the Spanish Navy usually bring a cool citation with them. It's like, Whoa. That's true. Was it a seven? Nice a citation support. seven last time? I wasn't there last year, obviously. I was sunning myself in the Caribbean. But um, uh, Sam, I think you mentioned earlier on in the ongoing list, there's some quite cool ones. I was, I was just about to say the same. I mean, the invited air, um, invited nations lists often turn out to be you know nothing. a wish a wish list yeah very, very often they're a bit of a, a you know flash in the pan i'm trying to think less appropriate term um but we've got some really interesting stuff there serbian air force oh please Arayos. um i would be very upset if anything that i've already seen this year uh, last year comes i'll be like that was my that was my thing and I don't want every fucker at Riyadh to see J-22s so what, now. Um, what is, Indian Navy? Yeah. NATO's on the list, so that'll be in cancelled very shortly. Yeah. Tomorrow. Um, <laughs> United <laughs> US Air Force Reserves. I mean, that would probably be your F-16s, I think, wouldn't it? Do, they, do the F-16s sit in the reserves? I can't remember. I don't know. Whereas reserves tend to be sort of the support and logistics. I'm not... I, uh, Hang on, let's have a look. You keep talking and I'll do some stuff. Got the Qatar Emiri Air Force, our, our, our good friends, the Qataris. Polish, la- po- Polish Land Forces, so the Army. So, be I'm, something I'm, interesting there. I'm going through that list and I'm thinking, what's F 16s? So, what have you got? Serbia, probably? Maybe? No. No? Serbia? Ignore Serbian that. Serbian F 16s? Ignore that. <laughs> Ignore that. I've are, had... they, are they are they are they turning Ignore up at the same that. time as the Swiss Chinooks? Fuck. <laughs> I am. What, what the fuck, Dan? I've 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 had half. What, what was that? <laughs> I've had half a woman coke, and I've lost my head. I mean, on I this do... list, on this list, it's it's, it's the Jordanians, the, the Netherlands, and the Norwegians that would be the um, uh, and Qataris. I should know. They've got F-16s. Yes. I should know. Have they? We have Maybe really done our research this, <laughs> this they podcast. Don't. I mean, that's, is... that's embarrassing. I'm, sh- I'm sure they do. Um, I know they've got they've got Mirages and they've got Rafales. Maybe they don't have F-16s. I no, thought they did. They've got Typhoons, haven't they? Typhoons and... Well, they've got, well, got everything. They've got everything. They just roll a couple of Hawks out of the UHD. What, Qatar? Yeah. No, they don't have F-16s. Cut all that out, because it might get me sacked. <laughs> no, leave it into counter-ends, then. Dan. Me and Ian. Yeah. Oh, No, they don't. But they do have everything else. They've got F-15s, they've got um, everything. What else you got? I mean, at the moment, oh. it's only the th- those... Um, uh, three F-16 operators, and we're being very... Very optimistic with the Jordanians there, I think. No, of course, not even Norwegians. They've gone the F-16s. So actually, it's it's two oh, F-16 hot. operators in there so far. Jesus. Norwegians is only going to be the F-35s. Well, I guess any other things that they have as well in their inventory. But 
Yeah, no, Norwegians, of course, retired them a couple of years ago, didn't they? Two or three years ago. So you've got the Dutch, who might not even be around by then, and the Jordanians. And to be fair, Jordanian Essex teams would be interesting. Mm. I've already seen them, so I don't care. But, but yeah, so far, not too many F-16 operators other than, I guess, the US Air Force. Um, in answer to your question, Sam, about the Air Force Reserves, there's a loads in there. There like, we go. Like, absolutely oodles of stuff. There we go. With luck... You'll get some USF, USAF R, uh, F-16 squadrons. Oh, Ian's dog's just appeared on the screen. Oh, Which one's this? Oh, this is Ginny. Aww. Hi, Ginny. Aww. You're not getting oh. enough attention. Who, Ian? Yeah. No, not, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be... Let, I think, let your wife I think, from the garden, then. She's arthritis at the minute. So what the dog? No, Laura. She's had no voice since Christmas, pretty much. But what she started to do, it's it's got really bad in the last week, uh, in that she can't she can't talk at all. Uh, But she started going to get my attention, which is wearing thin very quickly. (laughs) She's been hissing at you. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Just to get get my attention. Well, it's she better than clicking shout. your fingers. It's either that oh, or what's up in the next room. I'd just, anyway. just get a Nerf uh, gun. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, wow. Coming, know, coming sli- I... slightly back on track. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I mean, if, if you could get some stateside F-16s, I think that would really do the theme very well. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I, I think you almost... I'm not going to say guaranteed because nothing's guaranteed. <laughs> nothing's guaranteed until the well, wheels are off of tarmac. I, it's not guaranteed because we you, you would have thought that there would have been tons of stateside KC one through fives last year, and there weren't. Well, exactly. Um, well, yeah, but for, the, for whatever reason, to be honest, they'll just go. Oh, yeah, but um, look, you've got Mildenhall. In, well, in, 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 in a similar vein, they may turn around look, and go. Look, well, look, you've, you've got, got Aviano. Aviano and Aviano. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. It'd be nice. I mean, I, like I said, touch wood. I mean, it would be fantastic to have some, uh, at least a, a a nice amount of, a decent amount of USF-16s come over, just because it would really add to the theme. It mm. would really do a good, you know, imagine having, I mean, we all know the F-16 is not the most exciting plane in the world, but imagine just a really, really long line of them. It would be cool to see. Back in what the would- good old days. Back well, in the good old days. <laughs> and they have got some well, really nice special schemes out there as well, so it'd be nice to see. They do yeah, actually, yeah. don't they? Yeah. yeah. Those, yeah. Well, they just they they just had, um, for the anniversary, they had like a, well, kind of was and wasn't an air show at Edwards. And I think at least four of the special schemes were there. Mm. Um, and the Thunderbirds as well. Which obviously, we're not getting the Thunderbirds. Fuck oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> souls. Um, but I mean, what would what would you what would you say is a decent number of F sixteen cents to sort of say that they've done the anniversary a service? Three hundred and seventy eight. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. I want there to Any be less, no I'm room for interested. anything other than US <laughs> stateside F sixteens on the tarmac. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think. I mean, it, it doesn't need to be. Like tons, but I think if you had two from a couple of squadrons, it would at least be something. Any yeah. more would be fantastic. I think that plus 
you're probably going to get your Aviano, you're probably going to get your Spangdalem. I mean, unless unless they are really, really, like, just nonsense about it. For an F-16 50th anniversary event, possibly the 50th anniversary event of the year in the world? Yeah, you'd like to think so. In, in, in terms of it being, you know, a global celebration of the type? Yeah. It would be madness for them not to have anything in Europe come over. Uh, bear in mind, they've been regulars, actually, in the recent years now as well. Yeah. regular-ish yeah. but yeah i think i think if you if you got four f-16s from the u.s that would be that would be a good amount yeah um more would be even better if you're <laughs> listening president biden um <laughs> when when was the uh 50th anniversary of the f-15 is that like Ooh. was that a couple of years ago i want to i can't remember we, let's have a look at 10 it. years ago God, were you on that straight up, or was that a guess? Well, 60 minus 10 is 50. Uh, 1972. 72. So, so, two years ago. Did anything happen for that? Um, well, it was mid-Covid, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's never, no excuse, no excuse. I, wait, well, hold on. Mm. So, two years ago was the 50th anniversary? Yeah, yeah 1972. Yeah. Of the first. I've, I've only just realised, I mean, yeah, post-Covid and getting back on track with air shows and things, but where, where was the big anniversary there? Missed out on a treat, you have to wait. No, there wasn't, was there? Time, yeah. mm. the 60th. No, there was nothing. I've, I've completely forgotten about that. But then, what what could you realistically have had in 2022, certainly in the UK? But then I, I think there might have been something in the US, I can't remember, but even then, I don't know. No, there weren't. I think with the F-16, because, I mean, just part and parcel there's more operators so well, it's just yeah, easier it's just easier to do yeah of course well that's yeah. it there's no f-15 operators in europe so no but yeah um i've just made myself like a right knobhead and i i thought you said 60 just cut, oh. cut it out i'm going over. is that your is that your old ears dom playing playing tricks on you again yeah old everything <laughs> wait did, did you think you said when was the f-16's 40th anniversary no 60th <laughs> And I thought oh, he said when, when was the, oh, when was yeah, I thought he said when was the fiftieth anniversary? That's what I said ten years ago. What? What? <laughs> so I thought I thought I don't know why I thought this year was the sixtieth anniversary. I thought someone said the sixtieth anniversary. Oh, and then he said when no, was the fiftieth. That was like ten years ago. So you were, you were just twice as wrong as you could have been. <laughs> Are you from the past? <laughs> Everything I've just said, just cut out. God, anyway. you've got a lot of editing to do here. Yeah, you do actually on this one, don't you? Good start. I mean, God, Indian Navy, mind you, what have they got these days? P8s. Yeah. <clears throat> Genuinely, they think 10 years ago they had two 142s and IL-38s, and they've oh, both gone now as types. Don't. So what would you even have from the Indian Navy? P8, well, pff, eh. Leave it at home. Um, <laughs> Rig twenty nine. None of the none of the opinions expressed in this show represent those of uh, the people's involved employers. <laughs> I'm not actually doing um, free act this year. I've decided. Oh. Um, I, I just I don't know. I, I think last year was just a bit of a. It's because uh, I wasn't there. Well, of course, yeah. Yeah. I, I your, couldn't share your porridge. I'm going to say I couldn't eat my porridge in my plant pot hat. I, I, I just. Porridge. In the plant pot hat, I'd just like to, you know, clear that up. 
Sorry, I, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel that I, I got the value from it last year. And of course, we, we've discussed it to, to no end. And you know, lots of people have mentioned about well, Fiat and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I've decided I'm not, I, I still don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably spend a day at uh, Totterdown, I think, Saturday or Sunday. And I might do uh, arrivals, one of the arrivals or departures days or something. But I'm actually, well, I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not that, not, I'm not that fussed about it, really. And if, I don't, I don't know what it is. If it, if it sways you in, I've I've managed to. Well, I'll hopefully be doing the Wednesday and the Thursday now. So I know I was bleating on about not doing Ria at all. Um, which I mean, I've got a, I got a torrent of letters from the public that have listened to this, going, "Oh no, I'm so, Would you like us to start a GoFundMe for you?" Um, but. Um, but yeah, I'm doing the Wednesday and Thursday now. Which I can, I can understand what you mean. You're gonna be though, down like, for at least at least Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing at least two days, so at least I get to see something rather than missing out on Ria again for second year in a row. So, cause I, I would have thought it, I had in my mind when I changed jobs and not being stuck to the restrictions of school holidays and shit like that. That it's like yes, I can take like a, a, a week off, take whatever time mm. I want off, basically. But actually, you know, even though I can, I, I'm just I, I don't know. I'm just still not that hyped up for spending a week there. Maybe, maybe I'll you know, do it next. Maybe year. it's just fatigue. Everyone yeah. I think gets react fatigue. I think at some I, point. I think I do. Yeah. Just, just want just a break. I did it. in 2019. I I after the year before, where, which had that extra day as well, that turned was was it, you know. It, it was just disappointing compared to what it could have been. The RAF 100th one, Rel- mm. relatively disappointing. I was like, I only did, um, I mean, only still four days, but I only did four days in 2019 because I just, I didn't want to do it all over again, you know? Yeah. I guess it, it hits you at some point. Mm. I think the whole, just the whole show last year just put a bit of a... The it, weather. It was the weather. It was really hard work to just do the whole week. Yeah. When you when you have a bad week one year, it is more way more difficult to get hyped up for the next year. It's weird that. Yeah. It really, really, it it, it it's all it takes to just colour your excitement for for the next years, even though you know it could, you know. Yeah, you're thinking of some of these aircraft that, well, the aircraft, some of the countries that that may potentially arrive, and some of the support aircraft that are going to come along thinking oh you know, i'm gonna miss some of these opportunities but yeah i'm, I'm just you mean I, you're not gonna what did you mean to say you're not gonna make those opportunities available to yourself no no i'm not no. <laughs> dearie me twice in one podcast oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting sued at this right to be fair though, I, I mean I've, I, I've, I've still not brought my free out ticket there's only what a fortnight left of the deadline maybe look mm. right now is that all it is? Yeah, the end of February. Oh right. Well, it's it's not it's not the deadline that you it has to be done by the end of February or you, you can't buy a free ticket. No, of course, it's no, just no, to just get to, your one, isn't to, it? To keep the same oh. seat. Okay. One of the things that does sway me for sort of not doing just going for one day, which I used to do years and years ago, just either Saturday or Sunday, is the Ucar curry on a Sunday night, which means I have to. Yeah, do ma'am. Sunday it's a game changer. Departures. So, yeah. So, it's probably, probably going to be a Sunday anyway. But, yeah. yeah, the toilet thinks the same as well. Jesus Christ. Wait, are we going it's to... Jason Bourne. 
<laughs> God, jeez. Um, and I think on the on the toilet note is a good time, a very good, very, very, very good time to change topic um, to the sort of marquee uh, subject that we were going to talk about this podcast, which uh, looking at the time we've been recording, we thankfully managed to uh, whittle down to a bare minimum. Um, we are going to speak <coughs> to Dan... Uh, who? who I don't know if, if regular listeners might probably picked up on the very subtle nods towards the fact that he's an airline pilot um, over the the course of the show, Sorry. and I thought it might actually just be interesting to just to find out what actually being in an airline is like and what flying for an airline is like because we've already done an episode. Uh, I can't remember which number it was now. Again, complete lack of research. Uh, but we did an episode on what it took to become an. I think it was out of work at the time, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> on what it took to become an airline pilot. Obviously, since then he has actually got a job um, and stopped leeching off the state. But um, <laughs> I think there's probably a, a lot to be learned about what actually th- the job actually involves. Not just the getting to be there, and obviously people know what an airliner is and mm. sort of what it takes to get there. But but day to day, like how do you plan a flight in an airline? Like do you just copy and paste the one from before or do you have to actually sit down and, and run through the flight plan you know it's kicking off with the first question you have to sit down and run through a flight plan and create a flight plan for every single flight that you do even if it's a regular route no so i mean so for, for those that are <laughs> listening to this <laughs> i'm gonna i to try and get through this without swearing as much as possible um so remember you I are would... officially representing your employer now as well Oh damn it! Am I? Does that clause no, before not? No. Pl- oh damn it! Shit! I put my Logan Air tie on then. Um, so yeah, I work for Logan Air, which is a, a, now this is this is for the benefit. Why of would you put that's... your name to it? <laughs> oh sorry, I work for sorry, I work for Scottish Airlines. Flyby, you work for Flyby. <laughs> Flyby. Um, Fly was. So when you're working for an airline, you don't do you don't create your own flight plans. Basically, what what was that? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I missed. I, I don't think that got the appreciation it deserved. I missed what you said. Fly was. <laughs> you said flyby. I said fly was. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Anyway. Maybe anyway, start again. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so working for an airline, you don't do your own flight plan. So there's a department in the airline that that does all of that for you. So, I mean, like, so typically when I'm going to work. Like a typical start involves getting in, checking in, um, and then you print your flight plans off. So that's done by the operations department. Um, print your flight plans off because um, we always have a paper, what we call a plug. So it's a paper plug that's got all the waypoints on it. How plug? much fuel you could plug? So um, pilot's log, basically. Okay. Um, Ian, please don't make a Star Trek reference. I could, I could see that you're just waiting to. I thought you were um, going to tell us where the toilet is or something. Yeah. Oh, we do, well, I'll the low, back the low tone of this whole episode. I'll, it I'll started get, with the episode 69, didn't it? It's my own fault. <laughs> yeah, that's yours. I've only got myself to blame. Um, so the the the, the log it's the the paperwork involves like all your paper, all your all your fuel. Um, how long the flight is going to take, um, your waypoints, how long it takes to get to each waypoint. Obviously, the longer the flight, the more waypoints you've usually got. 
Um, sometimes there's lots of paperwork. Sometimes there's not a lot of paperwork. Um, and essentially what you're checking, you, you're sort of doing a bit of a sensibility check to make sure that everything's okay. Mm. Um, so, you know, part of that is looking at the weather. So you're looking at the weather where you are, where you're departing, where you're arriving. And then we always have one alternate on, for most, for, without getting too technical, um, for most of the flights that we do, we have one alternate. We have two alternates when the weather's really bad, below a certain minima. That's when we have to select two alternates. Or there's sometimes where, and I've had it recently, particularly during sort of like this sort of rolling period of storms that we've had where there might be a bunch of alternates that just aren't suitable. So I think we were doing mm. a flight back from, I was doing the mail flight back from East Midlands. Inverness is our destination and Aberdeen was our alternate. The weather was not good enough for Aberdeen. So our alternates ended up being sort of Belfast, Olegrove and Dublin or something ridiculous like that because they were the only places. That so you have an alternate to. that you presumably need like three times the fuel load for. Well, and then in because of that, that's when you then work out how much fuel you need. Um, so obviously, when we sometimes get to the aircraft, sometimes the, there may be tons of fuel on it that it's been tankered from a previous flight. So basically, the previous crews filled it up because the fuel. What we try and do is fill up at the cheapest places because that's what the company wants, obviously. Um, or there might not be much fuel on it, but either way, the fuel will turn up and say, "How much do you want?" Mm. On, on a on the ATL 72, we can take, you can technically take five tons, but it starts sort of leaking out at about 4.9. <laughs> um, Brilliant. And then, it, it, I mean, I've never got five uh, tons. And, that, and that's the only similarity between the ATR and an SR 71. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse me, they, they don't leak fuel, they mark their territory. Oh, so, oh God. God. <laughs> I was going to say, SR 71s also top out at 20,000 feet, don't they? Oh. <laughs> you missed a zero out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's sort of like the, the the start of your day. You'd also like you're looking at no tams as well. So you know you might be going somewhere and there might be an air exercise on and stuff like. That. So like for instance, things like joint. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll say this: like I, for the benefit of those listening who, I'm probably not too many, but who don't know what a no tam is, and I'll be honest, I probably don't really know what a no tam is if if I'm quite honest, because I just leave it to all the proper nerds to tell me what the no tams are saying. <laughs> but what, what what is a no tam like? So. Because so I, I, see, I see them, and they're, they're bloody long and complicated. So, um, a no-time is called a notice to airmen, which is very sexist. Um, I've seen I've seen notice to air missions lately, yeah, which I think, to, 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 to use UASA ungendered language. It, I think, didn't we? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, no-time. Keep, yeah, keep oh, up, Dan. Hansel Dan. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they basically, they consist of um, a subject matter, so it might be there's an air exercise on or a fireworks display you get ton like the standing joke is that no times are just full of cranes that have been erected near airports could it also include um, if i'd hired a, a plane or something like that you, yeah so if, you, if you're something. doing a, if you're doing so air displays air displays are no time or if you're doing air-to-air work in a, a cessna caravan or a cessna skyvan mm. that would that would be no tamed um mm. and, and obviously there's like a promulgated sort of distance that it covers and a height because um, it's obviously like a section of airspace that it's occurring in. And then also a time period. So, for instance, the ILS might be out for four hours or um, this crane's going to be erected until sort of the middle of next month or something like that. 
So you're checking stuff like that. Nine times out of ten, there's not a lot. Um, where we fly in Scotland with Logan Air, things like Joint Warrior, when they're doing Joint Warrior. So we do flights up to, so our route network is obviously down south towards England. Mm. And then we do flights up to Orkney, Shetland and the Western Isles. But when Joint Warriors on or whenever there's a big exercise on, because the military like to use Scotland because it's quite quiet, essentially, um, that affect that like that affects us. So we may not be able to take the same route that we normally do. Um, for instance, just out of Inverness, you've got the Tain Range, which is a bombing range. Sometimes that's active, and you'll be no timed about it, so you can't fly. What we usually do is fly through it. Instead, you just fly around it. So you just check for stuff like that, basically. What's the most interesting but all that in- you've seen? The most interest, most interesting NOTAM. Ooh. Um. That's a good question. Is there such a thing? I mean, define interesting. This is, I mean, like the air show ones are always quite cool, because if like um, I was going down to flying down to like Manchester. And the Blackpool Air Show is no time, so you're sort of like looking out to see if you can, if you can see that. Um, so you mentioned the Joint Warrior stuff. Have you actually seen anything to do with that whilst flying? You know, air to air with the P3 at all or anything like that? Not intentionally. Um, we, there was, <laughs> yeah, not intentionally. There was. We were coming out of. Um, I did wonder why two typhoons appeared on our on our wing. Um, <laughs> There was, um, we're coming out of Stornoway and there was a, uh, an Aurora that was flying above the airfield and they were told to get out of the way basically because it was, it sort of got in the way of where we were wanting to go. But I've not, mm-hmm. I've seen loads, I've seen tons of shit, warships and stuff like that. I've seen the odd submarine now and again, but I've never any, ever seen anything like, the, the whole point of the no time is basically you don't want to get close to that stuff in the first place. So you'd never really sort of see it. If you got really close to it, then you're, <laughs> you're probably in the wrong place. So you read them well. Yeah. You know, you, you said about fuel and um, sort of like diversion, that sort of stuff a, a minute ago. Do you have to... I presume you, know, you, you have to sort of think quickly and act on your feet. You've got to do all sorts of calculations and stuff like that. And quick maths and, and that sort of stuff? Um, I mean, so we always have, and, and this is part of why the, the pre-flight planning is so important, is you want to, you never really want to go and depart with what, what we call min-block fuel. So min-block fuel is basically the absolute, to the kilo amount of fuel that you'd need to conduct a flight, do a missed approach, uh, end up at your alternate, um you know, with a bit of holding in there as well, you're always wanting to take a bit of extra fuel. So what we do is, and it's it's really basic. Every sort of half an hour, you you get over a waypoint, so a point on this on the flight plan that you printed off. Um, you've got an expected time over it. You check the actual time over it, and then you'll have what your fuel should be. Um, and basically, you're just comparing what your fuel should be to what you've actually got. So nine times out of the ten. Um, we usually actually make fuel because you end up getting shortcuts and things like that, or you do a more efficient climb. So there's not loads of, there's not really lots of math that go into it. It's just making sure. Lots of what? Sorry, Dan. Math is. Oh, there we go. Well, what did I say? You said math. Oh, 
Oh, shit, did I? Oh, God. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That's, I'm actually disgusted in myself. It's all right. Um, I'll get Laura to call me. She can do a tss, and I'll edit it on the end of it. Right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's a, a lot of it is just common sense checks. The the, the the one time that you really start to, sort of keeping a close eye on it is if you've been sat in the hold for ages and you're starting to, you know... It, I mean... An ATR burns about 600 kilos an hour, fuel-wise. We, if we're taking two, 2.4 tonnes of fuel, we've got four hours endurance. So if you're sat in a hold for over an hour, you're getting pretty bloody bored. I was going to say, it's interesting you said kilos there, because I always thought everything was done in, in pounds in Western aviation. Do you just yeah. do kilos? Just kilos. It's just easier. It's yeah. just it's just more straightforward because grown up measurement system. Yeah, and you know, sensible. Yeah. <laughs> but is that is that because is that the instrumentation in the aircraft as well? And and are you, are you buying kilos from the airport and stuff like that? Yeah. So um, there is a conversion. I mean, well, you buy it in liters, mm. uh, but you convert it to kilos because that is that is what it, how it's. Um, oh, I guess that makes sense. It's it's how it's um, uh, depicted in the depicted in the plane. That's not right. Displayed in the plane. There we go. Yeah, it's all in kilos. Doesn't I've okay. not, never seen anything in pounds. Flyby was the same on the Dash Eight, and it's the same. Really? Thing. Yeah. That's really interesting. I just always assumed it was all pounds because I think because no. in military aviation, I'm pretty sure it's all still pounds of fuel and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, it. it Aviation's really it, it bits and bats between lots of different stuff. I mean, like we talk about like pounds of thrust and stuff like that. Yeah, I which I have to be I I I pounds is meaningless to me. Like I people, yeah, it doesn't mean I hear, anything. I to hear me. it at air shows, and it it's something that really really grinds my gears um, <laughs> in, in air show commentary when they talk about like pounds and stuff like that. I mean, feet. I know understand feet in height, but like. Like when they give the imperial measurements and they never give a metric conversion, it's like you realise you ruled out anyone under the age of about fifty there if by not giving the metric <laughs> figures because who knows imperial these days. Yeah, exactly. But that's quite interesting. Um, I ha- had another question, which is more maybe less airline specific. But what what's a SID star? A SID and a star. So a SID is a standard instrument. And is that something part. you use in your job? Yes and no, and I'll I'll get to why in a second. So a SID and a star is a standard instrument depart. So it, it depends where you are. It depends which air. So not every single airport has a SID and a star. So a SID is a standard instrument departure, and a star is a standard instrument arrival. Um, you tend to find them at busier airports. So you know how I was saying earlier that we fly to the Western Isles and um, uh, Orkney and Shetland. In fact, Inverness doesn't have any. Because they're reasonably quiet, um, mm. and if the and, and SIDs and stars tend to be, they tend to be twofold. One, they're usually for noise abatement, so to oh, really stop you buzzing over some some town or village or whatever. Um, so it tends to be for noise, and they're also, um, if you've got somewhere like Heathrow, you don't want aircraft just b- disappearing off in any old direction. It all needs to be sort of coordinated in. Sort of leading to the airways, basically. So it's like it's a predetermined route that the aircraft will follow. 
So you've got mm. your waypoints, and sometimes you'll have to meet that particular waypoint. Not, you know, there may be a restriction like not above a particular altitude, or sorry, it tends to be not below a particular altitude when you're departing. Yeah. Um, and then it's the same with a star. So a standard <clears throat> instrument arrival tends to also include a hold. So that's what we call our clearance limit. So if you're going into, say, mm. Heathrow, because of how busy it is, you'll be on a star like a... Um, I'm trying to remember a Heathrow star now. I can't remember. Bookman's Park? No, can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, you might get to what's called your clearance limit, but because it's so busy, you end up just sitting in the hold and waiting until... Basically, it's your turn. Mm. Um, so that's what that basically is. Um, there's not really much to them. Um, nine times out of the ten, you don't end up following the whole SID. Or dog. Hello, dog. Um, <laughs> adorable. Um, sorry, SIDs you don't tend to follow. Stars. Also, nine times out of ten, you don't. If it's quite quiet. <laughs> Can she hear this? she interested in Sids and Stars? Oh, he's no. got headphones in. No. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a Sid and a mm. Star. Which, you know, there isn't much to them, to be honest. Mm. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah, no, I just... It's terms I'd seen I didn't know, so... Yeah. That's, that's why we're in this episode. I remember um, on the last one, we... I'm sure we asked you about something like, are you going to go on to it? anything like bigger and better and that sort of stuff so i suppose i'll obviously that was a, a different time with covid and whatever and uh, interesting times but i Dan didn't it, know if it was ever going to fly again at that point well yeah nope. exactly but I, I suppose uh similar sort of question are you what is it about sort of the propeller aircraft that's sort of driven you towards it and do you ever? I know you posted like some pictures and things, uh, like seeing uh, northern lights and that sort of stuff, and mm. it's that thing where pilots will like take photos at the cockpit and stuff, and like the amazing views. Do you ever sort of sit back and think like this is the best job ever, and, and like you can't believe that you're actually doing that that sort of thing, or do you just take it in your stride? I've certainly, I've certainly took it for granted, and when when Flyby went bust. I realised afterwards, and it was funny enough when I was, it was when I was working in ASDA, and I was scrolling through my like picture gallery on my phone. I thought I've not taken anywhere near enough pictures, and I and I realised I thought shit, I've just this may have been that you know because at the time I had no idea what was going to happen. I thought this is it, it's, mm. that's that's it done. So I'm quite con, I've made quite a conscientious effort since I've been at Logan Air to make more of an effort to appreciate it. I mean, one thing I will say here compared to Flyby is that the flying is totally different. Well, not totally different, but it's a fair bit different. So there's more it's scope backwards. to. No, that's just how slow the ATR flies in a headwind. Um, it's sorry, ATR, if you're listening. Um, Worth so we do. Out that Dan has a picture of an ATR crashed in some water as a background <laughs> for this chat. So don't take don't take his sympathies too strongly, sincerely. <laughs> Um, the, you know, we get the opportunity at Logan Air to hand fly the aircraft a lot more. We're not just bunging the autopilot and, you know, we sometimes do flights on the mail flight from, or even the passenger flight from the Western Isles between Stornoway and Benbecula. We get to hand fly it at 3,000 feet and we'll go visually rather than 
I was that was something I was going to ask as well. Do you have, is there any scope for doing VFR in, in airline yeah. operations? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that must be fun. I, it's honest. It's brilliant. It's so much fun. I mean, we tend to do it at about. It's only about a twenty-minute flight, but it's at three thousand feet. Three thousand feet. Um, interestingly, we're limited below three thousand feet to one hundred and eighty knots, um, and that is for the risk of bird strikes. So obviously, we're a lot lower. So if we hit a pla- hit a bird, it's less likely to do as much damage. So we do a lot of that. The type of flying we do is just completely different to most places in the UK. Um, so yeah, I mean, I and be- it just happens to be that it's on another turboprop. Obviously, you can do it in a jet, but it just happens to be that because of mm. because of what we do, we use the ATR. Um, they are good fun to fly. I mean, I give them a lot of stick, but they are they are good fun. I mean, because there's no auto throttle on it. You know, you take the autopilot out and turn the flight directors off, and it is literally just you. It's just like a big PA twenty eight. Um, there's nothing sort of automatic really about it, and that's why I enjoy that kind of flying because, mm. you know, it's it's all well and good sort of, and this is to do no disservice to anyone that flies, you know, going long haul. Um, Feet wet. Feet. <laughs> and getting the feet wet. Oceanic. Um, but you you take off, you put the autopilot in, you cruise along at 38,000 feet for eight hours, and then you land. Mm. And that's it. My opinion might change when I'm a little bit older, and I've been doing this for a bit longer, but for now I enjoy like the... I I really enjoy what we do at the moment. And that's why I'm quite happy to sort of stay with what I'm doing. There's certain things, there's like, ex- I mean, one thing that kind of grinds my gears as well is you sometimes see these like profiles on Instagram and it's these airline pilots that make the job look like the best thing in the world. And I'll be honest, at times it's not. And I'm I'm quite open with that, particularly with like salmon stuff. Like the whole there's certain things that aren't fun at all you know i work he's night- always complaining about when the cabin crew don't get his coffee just the right temperature <laughs> <laughs> when there's a bit of like phlegm floating in the top of it or something like that um it's things you know like I, doing night shift isn't easy you know yeah. staying up until four in the morning to then fly an airplane it's hard work um I wouldn't say like flying in bad weather. It it makes the job harder, but it's not it doesn't make it necessarily the bit that I don't enjoy about it. But I, it annoys me when it's tarted up as like the best job in the world. And just like all jobs, there are bits of it that just aren't good fun at all. Um, so I I I sort of tell it a bit as it is rather than selling it. It is a fun job. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't. I mean. You know, leave situation's pretty rough sometimes. You know, because you don't get the leave that you want. And I've been quite vocal of that before. But would I would I stop doing it? But that's it just all for that? shift work, isn't it? Well that's it, exactly. But that's also the downside of what probably what a lot of people don't realise about airlines is it's shift work essentially. Yeah, exactly. And all the downsides of that. You know, I, I finish work sometimes and I'll finish late like we have what's called a min a minimum rest period of twelve hours. And I might finish it with a rest period of 12 hours and one minute until I'm next back into work. 
and that's not including the drive home from work going to sleep getting up again getting ready and coming back to work so it is you know it is it is tiring at points but i still bloody love it Mm. like it is good fun um and it just happens to be that you know seeing like the northern lights is just like oh it's like it's incredible i was gonna say if you you transfer from a propeller to a a jet airliner obviously Mm. the principles of flying still stay the same so is it just like getting currency on that that type and stuff that yeah there's there's take to make the next day there's a certain there's a few things that are different like you descend a jet different to a a turbo prop um i can't um (laughs) i can't really explain it properly because i've not flown a jet but essentially not real pilot no i'm not a real pilot i'm well i don't fly tail dragger so i'm not a real pilot no that's true yeah so I mean, I suppose if you do a really rough enough landing, the ATR can be a tail dragon. <laughs> he dragged a tail, but he's not a tail dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why it's got, got a got tail pipe for that. that Prick. <laughs> 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 um, so in a turbo prop, if you're descending, you wind in a vertical speed of like, two thousand feet per minute. And it, I think with a jet, um, a jet pilot will correct me on this, but I think you have to essentially get the speed back before you descend. Whereas in a turboprop, you can just go down and close the power levers, and the speed will sort of stay back at whatever yeah, you're descending. Yeah, I guess at. because the propellers are just producing enough drag by themselves. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Whereas the jets are naturally more slippery. Yeah, so it just wants it just wants to gain speed all the way, and that's why you have like speed brakes and stuff, but. Yeah, the, the, essentially that's the only thing that's different. It is just a. It, the way I liken it is, I can, I can drive a Seat Leon, not very well, but if I wanted to drive a Ford Fiesta, it'd be like you have to take because a lot of people assume, fair enough, that if you've got a pilot's license, you can just fly any plane you have to learn how to fly that particular plane. So it'd be like, I have to learn how to drive a Ford Fiesta before I can, you know, go out and drive it on the road sort of thing. That's that's the only sort of way that I can describe it. Mm. In, I think in just saying, I, I have to learn how to fly each individual plane first would have, would, probably but, sum, summarizes it much better than saying, but, but, I have to learn four fucking Ford Fiestas and say it Leons and. But then people fucking... get com- But then people get confused because, like, I fly the ATR seventy two and the forty two, and people go, "Well, that's two different aeroplanes because one's long, long and one's short." Um, but that's just like a. In fact, there's no differences course involved. It's just, just do it. I've got a tight rating mm. for both. So, yeah. All right, Billy Big Bollocks. He's still tight rated under the uh, No, I lost that. That's gone now. Back, back of the sofa. Um, do you, uh, more on the operational side, do you, because obviously you do freight and passengers. Yeah. Um, but do you, as a pilot, or maybe it's well, maybe it's more the captain that does it, do you, do you have to look at the manifest every flight? Are you checking the manifest and seeing what's on it and being in charge of that, or is that all done? Um. Know? Well, we get a copy and the cabin crew get a copy. And you tend to have sort of a cursory glance through because you, you're looking for, like, wheelchair passengers so um, so that they get the appropriate service at the other end. So, for instance, they may need, what's you know, the ambulift, which is like the scissor lift, which is the truck. They go in that. And is that, f- and is that for you to call ahead to the airport and ask for it? It shouldn't be, but sometimes it is. That mm. should be the handling agent that sorts that. 
but nine times out of ten, well, again, it depends where you go. Some places are really good at sorting it out. Some places aren't. They should do it, but they don't always. Um, but on the manifest, you're not looking at like the names or like the seat numbers. What you're looking for is how many males, how many females. This is a Logan, I think. How many males, how many females, how many children, how many infants. And then on the passenger plane, it's split, split into three sections. So this is when we're working out the mass and balance of the of the plane. So, you know, you've got 32 adults and two children. And then you make sure that the what we call the base split, so how many people are in Bay A, how many people are in Bay B, and how many people are in Bay C, equals the, num- the total number. Because like, sometimes mm. you might get the manifest and it might be completely wrong. Um, or it might be that there's no one sat in, if it's really quite Bay A, and that's an emergency exit row, so you need someone... So you end yeah. up that that's when you end up looking at the manifest. And the bags are on there as well, the bag weight. So you work out if you want bags all in the front, all in the back, or you need a split or something like that. And again it's just to make sure that you're within the envelope, the mass and balance, the trim envelope to depart. Mm. The que- the question that I was going to ask actually was do you do you get notified if you're carrying like dead people, like coffins and stuff? I've never carried one. I've mm. I've never had to carry a coffin before, thankfully. Mm. It does happen, not very you, often. You say thank you say thankfully, but well, yeah. Um, like well, like, I would have thought it wouldn't make any kind of difference at all, really. No, it's just it just ends up Other going potentially the plane getting haunted. <laughs> <laughs> now there's no tapestries. Um, they die in a fire. <laughs> hopefully, not an ATR fire. Um, but. <laughs> I think with something like that, you probably would get a special piece of paperwork to say that, you know, this is mm. what you're carrying. I mean, we get, if there's firearms on board, we get told about that. There's only certain dangerous goods that each carrier can, airline can carry. Depends on okay. their, it depends on which airline it is. So at Logan Air, it's quite restrictive. We can't carry a lot of um, dangerous cargo, basically. Mm. Um you know, like we can't carry, we are, we actually can't carry aircraft spares. I don't think our air operator certificate allows that. So when That's one interesting. of the, when one of the aircraft goes set, we can't carry it. For That's in, really interesting. So we had an ins, uh, the batteries on one of the ATRs went flat basically, mm. um, and in sending sending another. Can you not just hook it up to another one, another ATR. You and... just push it down a hill. <laughs> yeah. Just bump start it. Um, so we couldn't fly another freighter out. Um, they had to go by ferry or something stupid like that because you just can't carry a battery because it's classed as a dangerous item, a dangerous good. So, yeah. You were talking about toilets, Ian. Um, <laughs> I might have mentioned it. On the freighter, we don't actually have a toilet. And I think I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. We've covered this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't remember if I had or not. I've just remembered, yeah. But yes, we don't have a toilet. Do you prefer doing freighters or passenger flights? freighters because why because you um, don't have to talk to people <laughs> nah. <laughs> um like that one time i said welcome to edinburgh when we just landed in inverness Oops. <laughs> you will never ever forget that nope um well it's not as bad as when i was at flyby and we were over the lake districts um and i think i said on my pa in the cruise and we're currently over oh I don't actually know where we are at the moment, but we'll be on the ground shortly. <laughs> wow. 
have you ever accidentally broadcast a PA announcement over the air traffic channel? No, but the, the number of times that I've done air traffic control messages over the PA is ridiculous. <laughs> it's really? Like a, really? Yeah. Um, it happens. It happens quite a lot in the ATR because the the buttons don't light up properly, so you can't see which. Because you've got like PA, VHF one, VHF two, all that, and you can't see which one you pressed. So, but no, I've never done it to air traffic control. Thank God. Have you perfected your PA pilot's voice? Yeah, it's just this, but with a lot of us. Uh, what, what's it like with, with radio stuff? Actually, because yeah, we we pick up things on scanners and whatever, but. I don't think, not really taking into account, if you're flying a plane, you've got loads of different voices. You've got you know, someone in the tower or something that can be talking to so many different people. Is it difficult to like pick out when you're being spoken to and having to change frequencies and all that sort of stuff? Um, I think it's more when... when So technically, what below flight level 100, you're meant to have what's called a sterile flight deck. So Because they're the busiest times when you're flying, like arriving and departing. Um, you're meant to not talk with whoever you're flying with. Um, that doesn't actually happen. You always you you pretty much start talking. You know, at a sensible point, like maybe a, you know two minutes into the climb or something like that. Um, it depends depends who you're with. Um, it tends to be when you're in the cruise and you're just having a chat, or if the cabin crew is just what come in and because you know they they come in and check if you want a cup of tea and stuff like that sometimes they'll you know you'll you'll invite them forward because there's a really cool view like a sunrise or something like that and you'll end up because you're chatting you end up missing your call that sounds patronizing well i'll be honest the cabin crew can see feck all from where they sit yeah like it's it's just you're looking down the cabin on the atr 42 or you get like this tiny sort of six-inch window to sort of peer through. You can't see anything through it. Um, in fact, you don't even get that on the ATR. Um, but yeah, it tends to be when you're just chinwagging away that you end up missing your... You might miss a call or something like that. But it's funny, like, you'll hear like part of your call sign and you'll go, ooh, was that for us? And that's when you end up just sort of... I've never I've never once, like, completely ignored air traffic control. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, what... There's probably more of a general piloting than actual airline stuff, but maybe more common to airlines. What what happens if you miss something? Will ATC just keep calling you? I mean, what happens if you got a typhoon? To look you know, what... so well, um, they'll they'll keep they'll keep repeating your call. So they'll say whatever the instruction is once, then they'll say it again, and then they'll say something along the lines of like, you know, Logan two six Papa Quebec, are you on frequency? And then if it keeps happening, because we always have two comms boxes so you've got air traffic like air traffic control on com one and then on com two what you should do is have the emergency frequency one two one five if you and then they'll they'll try and call you on that because you should have that always turned up Mm. a lot of the time you don't but if you're doing a if you're doing like a 20 minute flight between you have it in the background but you might not have it turned up um why wouldn't you have it turned up is it just it's a tw- because it's static and stuff, or no, it's just a twenty-minute flight. It's a distraction. Yeah, it's a twenty-minute flight. If you've got some, is there is there lots of stuff on it? On Not the... really. The most annoying guard thing is channel. when you get um, emergency low. Is it guard channel? Yeah, that's on guard. So you'll get like yeah, guard, you'll get yeah. the American pilots like when they're over the UK. They'll ch- I'm on guard, and it's so annoying because you, oh, you really? don't need to say it, or we're, we're told not oh. to say anything. Um, yeah. 
um, but you get a lot of um, ELTs, emergency located transmitters, going, and that's what they go off on one two one five. Right. So they're like fitted, and you get a lot of them. Um, every so often, depends where you are, because they'll like they'll just stop randomly going off, and it's like just a sign, an alarm that goes off in the background, and it's really annoying. You just turn that, mm. turn that off, and you'll let air traffic. You'll just say to air traffic control, "Oh, there's an there's an ELT on one two one five. And nine times out of ten, no one's actually having an issue. It's just someone's forgot to, you know, forgot to put the turn it off. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, and then obviously, if you don't get called, like the obviously the lost comms is they'll go and scramble QRA. Yeah. Um, there was one, but presumably, presumably, you might be changing your transponder code in such instances, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that? like if you there was one with a SAS A320 this earlier this week actually, where the QRA went up, um, and they'd lost comms, so they squawked seven. So seven five zero zero is you being hijacked. Um, we call it five alive. It's just the way to remember it. Seven six box of tricks. It means that you've had a radio failure. Um, and 7-7 seven, seven going to heaven, which is just general emergency. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so I think maybe on that note, that's a, a good point to uh, call that one a night. But I think we we could probably keep going for a, a while with that one. We're just reaching sort of natural natural time limit for the podcast. Um, so maybe I think we'll do a, 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 a part two in the next episode. Um, but do send your questions. I think... To PO box. That's a, I was I was thinking yeah. this earlier. It would actually be a good idea to, mm. to, to ask for questions. It's been embarrassing if we don't get any at all. But um, <laughs> to, if you're listening, do maybe pop on the forum and, and in the in the podcast channel, ask some questions for Dan about airliners and airline flying and stuff. Because it, I think it would actually be a, a good chance to get some some questions in. Uh, so listen out for the next one as well, and we'll do a part two with Dan. I'll get Evie um, to write some. And... Actually, we, <laughs> we, we walked back from parents' evening last night. It was about, I don't know, half five, and the Voyager went over, and we are just all walking back, and you just went, hello, Dan. Bye, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't fly jets, though. Yeah. I wish I was that cool. But until then, that's been another episode of the UK Asia Review podcast. Thank you for listening. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at UK Airshow Review. Uh, we have a website, airshows.co.uk. We can read all of our airshow reviews and feature reports. And then we have our vibrant and uh, engaging uh, forum, forums.airshows.co.uk, where you've got lots of discussion, got lots of photo threads, uh, all airshow news getting posted. Great place to keep up with the airshow seasons. We're getting into the the thick of the updates now. Please do share the podcast around if you know anyone who likes aviation, who likes banal, inane chat about planes. Uh, Great way to uh, great way to get the hype up as we as we come out of the winter. See you for another episode. (laughs) Goodbye.